Well, good morning. If you would, open your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 1. We'll continue our study in Mark chapter 1 this morning. Before we begin, let's seek our Lord's blessing. Our Father, how thankful we are that you, out of your goodness and mercy to your people, have given us one more opportunity to meet together and to worship your matchless name. Father, I pray you would enable us this morning to worship. Send your spirit upon us and enable us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, I beg of you that you not just let us go through the motions of religion and go home feeling better about ourselves because we've done our religious bit for the week. But Father, enable us to worship. Speak to us through your word, we pray. Father, show us your glory. Reveal your redemptive glory in your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, through the, the preaching of your word today. Here and Father, especially in our children's classes, we pray that you'd bless in this hour. Pray that you'd bless our teachers as they teach and we thank you for them. Thank you for the skills and the abilities that you've given them. And Father, be with them. Enable them to rightly divide the word of truth. And Father, be with our young ones as they hear. Use this time, we pray, to plant the seeds of faith in their heart. And Father, how we beg your blessing. Bless us as we look into your word. Show us our Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in his name, his sake we pray. Amen. Now I've titled our lesson this morning, The Praying Savior. I struggled with the title, whether I should call it pray, Praying and Preaching or The Praying Savior. I ended up going with, with The Praying Savior. Our text begins in verse 35 of Mark 1. And in the morning, rising up a great while before the day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Now remember Mark, in his gospel, is showing us Christ the servant of God. And like any good servant, our Savior rose up early in the morning. Mark says a great while before sunrise, and he got to work. That's what a good servant does, don't he got to work praying. Now the Lord Jesus is the greatest man of prayer who ever lived. And if that doesn't show us the importance of prayer, I don't know what is. You really see the importance of prayer if you consider what's happening here. The Lord Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He's God incarnate. God in human flesh. Jesus of Nazareth is God. He has all the attributes of God. He has the power of God. He has the eternality of God because he is God. So this is God praying to God. This is not a fallen man praying, seeking mercy and calling on God. This is God praying to God. Now let that rumble around your head for a while. As a man, the Lord Jesus made this matter of prayer something of great importance. If so important, he got up a great while before sunrise so that he could pray uninterrupted. And during our Lord's earthly ministry, we don't 
read of him praying publicly very often. But we read of him praying privately often. He would pray all night sometimes. Let me show you a few examples. Look over at Luke chapter 3. Before our Lord did anything, before he did anything, he prayed. He prayed before and after, and from what I read, maybe even during, while he was being baptized. Luke 3 verse 21. Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying. The heaven was open. He was praying. Look over at Luke chapter 9. Before our Lord was transfigured, before he peeled back that that veil of flesh and gave us a glimpse of his glory, he prayed. Look here at Luke 9 verse 28. And it came to pass about in eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and James and John and went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistering. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. Now here the Lord prayed, and as he prayed, his glory was revealed. And when his glory was revealed, the law and the prophets, Moses and Elijah, the the law and the prophets showed up, And they talked with the Lord. They talked about what Christ would accomplish in his death. Not that he would fail because he died, but what he would accomplish in his death. I'm telling you, that must have been some preaching service, wasn't it? How did it begin? With the Lord praying. Matthew tells us after the miracle of the loaves and fishes. Well, even in the miracle of loaves and fishes, before the Lord broke those loaves and fishes and turned that boy's lunch into a a feast for 5,000 people, what did he do? He prayed. And then afterward, the people wanted to make the Lord king. And you know what he did? He left them. Now, if somebody wants to make you king, what are you going to do? They wanted to make him king, and he left them, and he went up into a mountain alone to pray. He went to pray. Before the Lord went to suffer and die on the cross, he went to the Mount of Olives and he prayed, didn't he? He prayed in the garden. Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. As a man, the Savior prayed, his father would strengthen him. They'd strengthen him to do what he came to do. To put away the sin of his people by the sacrifice of himself. Now that's a matter of prayer, isn't it? This is the hour of hours. This is the hour for which the whole world was created. The sacrifice of Christ. And he prayed that the Father would enable him to do it. In John 17, the Savior prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. Now, he knew what he was going to do. He knew that he would be successful, but he still prayed, didn't he? Father, enable me to glorify you. As a man, he needed to be strengthened for this matter of crucifying himself, willingly giving himself to be crucified for the sins of his people. And he said, Father, enable me to glorify you. In my death, enable me to glorify your justice, your holiness, and your mercy and your grace all at the same time. Father, enable me to put away the sin of my people so that you could redeem them 
in justice and mercy. And at the same time he was praying, Father, enable me to glorify you. At the same time, he prayed for the people that he would redeem. He said, Father, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they're thine. Now, the Lord knew he was going to save his people from their sin. There wasn't a question. He knew the outcome of this. He knew that he was going to go to the cross. He was going to be made sin for his people and put the sin of his people away. He knew that. There was not a doubt in his mind. Yet he still prayed for his people. He prayed for his people. And you know, the Lord makes a habit of praying for his people. Isn't that comforting? To think that the Lord makes a habit of praying for his people. Before Peter was tempted of Satan, what did the Lord tell Peter? He said, Peter, Satan's desire to have you, that he may sift you as wheat, but Peter, I've prayed for you, that your faith fail not. And Peter's faith didn't fail. You know why? The Lord prayed for him. The Lord prayed for him. What's the difference between Peter and Judas? Judas betrayed the Lord. Peter denied him. What's the difference between the two? The Lord prayed for one. God's sovereign electing grace and he prays for his people. And you know, he hadn't changed. God hadn't changed. He still does that. Isn't that comforting to know that the Lord still prays for his people? He intercedes for his people. Our Lord prayed so often, the disciples saw him pray. So you know, here on on this day, you know, the, the, the disciples got up and the Lord wasn't there, looked around for him. They found him somewhere off praying. They saw him go off by himself and pray often. So they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Now, if the Son of God prayed like this, I mean, this, this is the Son of God. Like I said earlier, this is God praying to God. If he put so much importance on this matter of prayer, how much more should weak Sinful people like you and me be praying. Oh, we ought to be praying at all times about all things, shouldn't we? If the Lord didn't do anything without praying, we certainly shouldn't be doing anything without praying, should we? And that's why scripture teaches us to pray without ceasing. To pray and not faint. Pray and don't quit. You know, our Savior never quit praying. Well, we should never quit praying either. Certainly, if the Savior did, we shouldn't. Now I know this. This is this is a, a doctrinal truth. This is this is the Lord's character, something about God that I know as well as I know anything at all. Almighty God has a will and a purpose. And that will and that purpose shall be done. It will be done right on time, exactly at the time God purposed it. I know that. But you know, knowing that does not make the believer fatalistic. It doesn't make the believer say, well, you know, whatever will be, will be. You know, God God has a purpose that, that he determined before he created anything. It's going to be done, so it doesn't matter what I do. Whatever whatever will be, will be. The Lord's going to do his will no matter what I do. Now, that's not what Scripture tells us. Scripture tells us to pray. Pray for what's on your heart. Paul said in Philippians 4, verse 6, be careful for nothing. Don't be overly anxious is what he means for for anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, 
Let your request be laid known unto God. This is what scripture teaches us. What's on your heart? Whatever it is, you pray for it. You pray about it. Scripture tells us pray believing. Believing. Believing that the Lord's able. I'm not exactly sure what the Lord's going to do, but I do know this. Wayne, he's able. (laughs) I know, I believe that. We're to pray believing that the Lord will do what he promised that he would do. We're to pray without ceasing. And we're to pray and not stop. When, when the Lord doesn't answer right away. Well, how, how impatient are we? <laughs> we want to pray and the Lord answer. When he doesn't answer right away. Now you keep praying. You keep praying. And you know why we keep praying? Because we're totally dependent on him. When the Lord doesn't answer. you t- Remember the, the parable of the unjust judge? You keep praying. Keep praying. And pray about all things. All things. Now, whatever it is that's on your heart, does that fall under all things? Does it? If it does, then you pray about it. You pray. Now, like I said, I know God has a purpose. He has a will. A will that he determined before the foundation of the world. And what you and I are doing does not change God's purpose. And God, he doesn't have to make slight corrections all the time, you know, to keep this thing on track. God has a will and a purpose and that will and that purpose is exactly what's being done. And nothing will ever deviate from that. Now I know that. But I also know this. Almighty God is a God of means. And he taught us in the scriptures to make use of the means of grace. The means of Christ. It's just like salvation. God's, God's determined that he's going to save a people. But now he's not going to do it apart from the preaching of Christ. He's not going to do it apart from the preaching of the gospel. That's the means of grace. Make use of the means of grace. And I'll show you a good example of this in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 36. Now the Lord has an eternal will and purpose that shall come to pass. But before the Lord does his will, you know what he does? He puts it in the hearts of his people to pray for it. And then he does it. He does it after he puts it in the hearts of his people to pray for it. Here in Ezekiel chapter 36, the Lord's made all these promises to Israel, how he's going to deliver them and how he's going to redeem them. He's going to He's going to give them a new heart. He's going to sprinkle them with clean water. He's going to bring them into their own land. They're going to have this this freedom and, and this this glorious all this all this that the Lord promised to give His people. Now look what He says in verse thirty seven. Thus saith the Lord God, I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them, and I'll increase them with men like a flock. See what the Lord's saying there. Now, he said, I'm going to do this. There's not a question. I'm going to do this. But I'm going to be inquired of it by the house of Israel. I'm going to put it in the hearts of my people to pray for it. And then I'm going to do it. And you see that over and over and over and over in Scripture. I'll give you a few examples. Look first at uh, Acts chapter 10. Acts 10. Now, from all of eternity, you know, God, God elected a people to save. And God had elected a man named Cornelius. He's a Gentile man from a a town called Caesarea. And God had determined before time began that he's going to redeem Cornelius. 
But now, when did the Lord reveal himself to Cornelius? When did he? It's when Cornelius prayed. Look at Acts 29, or Acts 10, verse 29. Peter says, Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying, as soon as I was sent for. I ask, therefore, for what intent you've sent for me? And Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed. I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He's lodged in the house of one Simon, a tanner by the seaside, who, when he cometh, shall speak unto thee. Immediately, therefore, I sent to thee, and thou hast done well done that thou art come. Now, therefore, are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God? And Peter preached. Boy, he took that up, didn't he? And he preached the gospel. And boy, they had a revival. They had a revival. And how did that all start? Prayer. Cornelius seeking God. Look over to Acts chapter 12. In Acts 12, Peter was thrown in prison. Now, it was Herod's will that he would kill Peter. It was the Lord's will that Peter be delivered. Well, that, now that was the Lord's will. But when was Peter delivered? When people prayed for him. Look at Acts 12, verse 1. Now, about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when they'd apprehended him and put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people, Peter therefore was kept in prison. Now they were going to put this man to death. Everybody knew it. But prayer was made. Without ceasing. Remember I told you we're to pray without ceasing? Prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hand. And he went back to his friends. And you know how he found them? Praying for him. Now the Lord determined he was going to deliver Peter. He was not going to allow Herod to kill Peter at this time. But when was Peter delivered? When people prayed for him. Look at Acts chapter 16. Here in Acts 16, Paul and Silas have been thrown in prison in Philippi. A bunch of folks there wanted, wanted them put, put to death. But the Lord, his will was for for uh, Paul and Silas to leave Philippi and go to preach in Thessalonica. God had a people in Thessalonica. Paul and Silas are in prison. Isaac, they're chained to a wall. I mean, they're chained to a wall. They, they can't move. But it was the Lord's will for them to preach to a fellow there in Philippi. And then, to, in, in the, or in, in uh, yeah, in Philippi. Then, after that, go to Thessalonica and preach. Now, when did the Lord's will come to pass? When did he do it? When Paul and Silas prayed. Acts 16, verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed 
that sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we're all here. And he called for a light, and sprang in, and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out, and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Thy and thy house, anybody you know, they believe on Christ, they shall be saved. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized. He and all his straightway. Now there's another great revival, wasn't there? When did all of that start? When those two men chained to the wall praying. That's when it all started. You know, believers just have to pray. They have to. Just like a living body has to breathe, a believer has to, has to pray. Remember when the Lord told, came to Ananias and told him, go down there to the street called Straight? Saul Tarsus is down there. And Ananias said, Lord, I've heard about that man. I mean, I, I just soon not go and expose myself. You know? I've heard of what he does to, to the believers. And you know what the Lord told Ananias that made Ananias so willing to go down there to Saul of Tarsus? Behold, he prayeth. <laughs> this man must be a believer. Behold, he prayeth. Now we're to pray about all things all of the time. The Lord set the example in that, didn't he? But there's something else here. Look back in our text. This thing of prayer is very closely tied to the preaching of the gospel. Now, it is prayers associated with everything. We're to pray all about all things at all times. But here specifically, the Holy Spirit moved Mark to write this so that we see the importance of prayer in preaching the gospel. Now, there isn't anything that we do during the course of our week that is nearly, not even nearly, it's not even worthy to be compared with how important it is to hear the gospel preached, what we're doing right now. You'll not do anything remotely as important the rest of this week as what you're doing right now. And I don't mean just going through a religious ceremony. I mean hearing Christ preached, hearing the truth of God's Sovereign, effectual, saving grace being preached. There's nothing more important than that. Now, when I say that, please understand this. I'm not saying that the preacher is all this, you know, great, big, you know, important thing. Preachers are so great. I'm not saying that at all, at all. Preachers are the same as every other believer. We're just as weak, just as sinful, just as, as needy as every other believer. But the, the, I heard someone say one time, all, all a preacher is, is an empty tube. <laughs> and Lord's got, got to fill it. It's not the preacher that's what the important thing here. It's the preaching of Christ. The preaching of Christ that is vitally important. That's vitally important because it's pleased God by the foolishness of preaching. The simple thing of, of one sinner preaching Christ to another sinner. I know the world calls that foolish. That's how it's pleased the Lord to save them to believe. 
Well, it's going to save his people through preaching. Now, if the preaching of Christ is that important, I mean, it's it's the most important thing to your soul to hear of Christ. You can't believe on Christ unless you hear of him. Somebody's got to tell you who he is. If that preaching of Christ is so important, I'm telling you, we sure should be praying for it, shouldn't we? Let me show you that. Verse 36, back in our text, Mark 1. And Simon and they that were there with him followed after him. And when they found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also, for therefore came I forth. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee, and cast out devils. Now Peter and Andrew, James and John, they had to be so excited to see so many people that wanted to follow the Lord. They wanted to be around the Lord. This man just called them to follow him the day before. Just the day before, he said, come with me, I'll make you fishers of men. And now all men are seeking after him. They thought, oh, we're we're in the popular crowd now, you know. And they told the Lord, all these people are seeking after you. And you know what the Lord did? He said, let's leave here. I'm going to go preach in other towns. Now, the Lord did not seek or turn from those people, even though they were truly seeking salvation in him. No, they weren't seeking mercy. They weren't seeking forgiveness for their sin. They weren't seeking the Lord to, 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 to save them, be merciful to them. They were seeking the Lord for the wrong reason. That's why the Lord left them alone. I can show you that. Look back at Matthew chapter 11. Now remember the town they were in is Capernaum. What did the Lord have to say about that city, Capernaum? Matthew 11, verse 23. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which had been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it should be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. See, the Lord said those people in Capernaum, they saw. They saw the miracles. They saw the wonders. They saw the Lord's power. And they still didn't believe because they're seeking physical blessings, not spiritual blessings. So the Lord left Capernaum to go to these other towns to preach because the Lord was a preacher. He said, that's why I came. I came to preach salvation by grace. The Lord came to be that prophet, like unto Moses, that the people would hear and believe. They're hearing preach. Now the Lord came to preach salvation by grace and then accomplish it. The Lord came to preach righteousness and to establish it. The Lord came to preach peace and then to establish that peace by the blood of his cross. The Lord came to preach redemption from our sin and then to purchase it by his own precious blood. And if you look back at Psalm 40, I can tell you what the Lord preached. Now, I can't tell you every exact outline and and things that, that he used, but I know what he preached. I know the gospel that he preached. Here in Psalm 40, these are the words of the Savior. Look at verse 6 of Psalm 40. Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. Burn offering and sin offering hast thou not required. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. 
Yea, thy laws within my heart. Now there's no doubt who's speaking here. These words are attributed to, to the Savior. This is Christ the Savior speaking. And look what he says, verse 9. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I've not refrained my lips. O Lord, thou knowest. I've not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I've declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I've not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. The Lord came to preach. And this is what he preached. God's righteousness. Not man's righteousness, which we try to earn by by keeping the law. He came preaching the righteousness of Christ. He came preaching the obedience of Christ. That's the only righteousness God will accept. And that's the righteousness Christ gives his people. Christ came preaching God's faithfulness. It's not our faithfulness. Salvation is found in the faithfulness of Christ. He was faithful to do everything that was required to save his people from their sin. You and I aren't faithful. I'm, you, you know, I say that. You know what I mean. You, this is one of those faithful congregations that I know of. Faithful to, to be in the service. Faithful to support the gospel. Faithful to look to Christ. But boy, it don't take much to make us not faithful, does it? Thank God Christ is faithful. He is faithful that promised. See, Christ came preaching God's salvation. God, this is the salvation of God. The salvation the Father purposed. Salvation the Son purchased. The salvation that God the Holy Spirit applies to the hearts of his people. This is God's salvation that he gives to whom he will. Now that's the message Christ preached. And before he went preaching that message, you know what he did? He prayed. He prayed. Now we're to pray. I mean, we're to pray about everything because we're helpless about everything. But boy, how much, how much especially true do we see that is in this matter of preaching the gospel? What man is sufficient for these things? What man is sufficient? To take the word of God and dare stand up in front of a bunch of people and say, thus saith the Lord. This is God's message for you. What man is sufficient for that? Not one. Not a single one. Look at Acts chapter 6. That means that prayer is the occupation of every preacher. Peter tells us this here in Acts chapter 6. Verse 2. Then the twelve called the multitude of the, the disciples unto them. and said, it's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, who we may appoint over this business. Let them take care of the business of the church, but we'll give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. You see, prayer is the occupation of every preacher. We dare not stand up before God's people without praying that the Lord give us the message. Without praying, God, give me your message for your people at this moment. God, give me the message. Put that message in my heart. Give me the tongue to preach it. Give me the the ability to preach Christ and 
get out of the way. Lord, take this message, take your word and bless it to the hearts of your people. Don't let them just hear my voice. Father, speak to them. You be their teacher. It's just a constant matter of prayer. I pray for you all every day. In my mind's eye, I start over here with Alec and go left to right, just thinking of each person. I'm glad y'all sit in the same place every time. I don't miss nobody. But how much especially more the spiritual blessings of God that God bless his word to your heart. Well, you know what? This ministry is not my ministry. It's ours. You're in the ministry too. You believe God? You're in the ministry too. It may not be your job to preach, but you're in the ministry. Then pray. Make this matter of preaching the gospel here. And God's blessing to these people here, your occupation to pray. I tell you this often, I beg of you, that if I cross your mind through the week, that you pray for me. I'm not fooling when I say this. There are times I'm sitting in my study and I'm struggling, 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 struggling. And suddenly I see it. That's it. And I think, somebody's praying for me. You know what the Apostle Peter told the church at Thessalonica? Well, brethren, pray for me. Pray for us, he said. That the Lord will enable me to preach as I ought. You see, that, that's such a prayer, vitally important in all things. But boy, in this matter of preaching, the most important thing to our souls every week, I beg of you that every time you think of it, you pray. Pray that God will bless you. All right. I hope that will be a blessing to you.